Hello and welcome to another episode of the Christian Reeve podcast. Today's guest is a spiritual director and dream coach all the way from Atlanta, Georgia in the United States. Her name is Pam Muller, aka Sweet Georgia Brown. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm good. Sweet Georgia Pam. Sweet Georgia Pam. Oh, my, yes. my, my mistake. But it's catchy it. like that, right? <laughs> Uh, just just before off camera I was just saying like how how things can go wrong like this whole week this okay just to sidetrack so this this episode is going to be all about dreams and we're gonna it's going to be part of a a series that I'm doing on dreams funnily enough and um we'll get we'll get into that in detail but I just want to say for five minutes this week has just been one of I don't know the craziest weeks for me I don't know for people that are into like spiritual stuff you know, you often talk about, you hear about people saying things like uh, it's mercury and retrograde and stuff like that. And I truly believe it because everything that could go wrong this week has gone wrong. <laughs> it's just, just, ah, when does this yeah. end? Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> sweet Georgia Pam, Pam Muller, welcome to the show. Um, there's a lot of ways we could jump into this. I think the first thing I want to do is, is just ask where the nickname comes from. What's the story behind the name? Oh, you know, I wish it was a really uh, grand story. It's it's not really. Um, kind of, I feel like I should make up a really great story. But it's pretty. <laughs> it's pretty straightforward. You know, I um, started a practice of dream interpretation for people, and um, when I became a trained spiritual director, which is sort of where dreams led me to. Um, it was, you know, the next step was to start a private practice so that I could do this professionally and begin carving out a, a career for myself. And um, I mean, it is a little, a little spiritual because uh, my dad had uh, passed away quite suddenly um, seven and Sorry. a half years ago, and he didn't get to see the um, my graduation from the spiritual direction training program, which was for me that to me that felt like my master's degree. I was like, this is where, this is where my life is going. And so I was journaling one day, kind of doing a little bit of um, open dialogue, you know, with the unconscious of like, where's this going? What do I feel like? Da, da, da. And I was journaling something entirely different. And the phrase sweet Georgia Pan popped up, just it just occurred and I wrote it out and I was like, oh. Oh, I could get behind that. And so it just Im- immediately became the persona that I could step into and do the work I wanted to do while okay. keeping my, you know, personal life personal. I can, I can pull Pam Muller out of Sweet Georgia Pam and keep those things compartmentalized. But I didn't go into it trying to come up with that. It just occurred. So for me, it was kind of the first thing that my dad gave me after he passed on, if I'm being honest. First of all, my condolences. Um, secondly, I find this quite interesting. I mean, the concept of keeping your private life and your professional life separate is obviously, you know, it's, we all do that. But I'm intrigued because a lot of the time, especially with a role like this, you'd expect someone to kind of bring a lot of themselves into it. You know, a lot of the time, our work, what we're passionate about is us. It's part of, you know, our, our identity. So... <laughs> Who is Sweet Georgia Brown, uh, Pam? God, I done it again. Ah! Who is okay. Sweet Georgia Pam? Yeah. And who is Pam Miller? What's what's the difference? Yeah, yeah. Well, for me, so what's as I was doing the the work to learn the craft of sitting with people in spiritual direction, because 
when I went into dream interpretation and I started following that curiosity of like, mm, I really want to help people understand what I know about dreams, which is that there are these metaphorical images of where you are in your life and they can really help you face your things that you're not facing. Um, so I wanted to help people do that level of inner work. And when I was, when I was following dream interpretation, it was a fun party trick. And as an empath, I'm an empath, I'm highly sensitive. I get easily over, overstimulated and overwhelmed, even when I'm happy. So um, I grew up with a lot of social anxiety, a lot of like, um, you know, my friends protect, they were like, oh, Pam is just so fragile. We kind of have to protect her. And, you know, when she's ready to leave, we have to help her find her like boundaries and all of that. Um, and as I did my training through dream work and then into spiritual direction, what I learned in the spiritual direction program is how to hold a safe container for people to share their deepest vulnerable things while not getting pulled into that container with them. And so I started to learn what it meant to keep myself from getting drawn into and become responsible for people's stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when I wanted to start the business, firstnamelastname.com was like the, the new thing. Everybody is doing that, right? It's firstnamelastname.com and I did that too. And when I set it up, it just felt like too much of me and I wasn't gonna be able to pull myself out and be able to hold the safe space for people. That's what they need. They need a professional <laughs> who's willing to take their dream seriously with them. And, and be able to hold still for whatever comes up. I think that was a way deeper answer than maybe you were looking for. So no, um, no, 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 it no. also became true that being able to step into Sweet Georgia Pam is less about me mm. and more about the people that come to me with their interests that, that I pique their curiosity so I can show up and meet them where they are. I absolutely want the deep answers like this. This is what I live for. This is, this okay, is, good. yeah, yeah. This is the type of conversations I like to have in real life. This is what yeah. I want this show to be, you know, like, this, and every episode is obviously different. Like sometimes you have just interview style episodes and sometimes you get great discussions like this. And I was really excited in, in the run up to this because I just have so many questions. And I think dreams in general is a, is a kind of like a fascinating area of, of study because there's a lot of information on, online about it in studies etc but we still also don't know there's a lot we don't know and you know it's it's like anything else in, in science I suppose and, and psychology etc it's like there's there's a lot that we can sort of there's things we can say okay this is definite and then there's things that we can say um this is negotiable like okay for example just a random thing right I <laughs> I, I get the dream of um, losing teeth quite a lot, right? Mm -hmm. And I've I've seen maybe like eleven different interpretations, and yeah. some of them are like outlandish, and then there's like three or four that are like, yeah, it could be that. And I, I always just thought it meant like loss of control, maybe a vanity thing, but more yeah. more more probably like the the connection of, 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 yeah, like wanting to have control over things. And, and that's like a, well, if there's things falling out of your head, then it's, it's not good. <laughs> yeah, no, right. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. Yeah. I'm glad you started with teeth falling out because it really is a good example of, of 
the way dream work is in my mind supposed to work for, for people, right? So the steps that I kind of go through with this and I always, I had to learn to trust the intuitive piece. I had to learn to trust the skill set that I have because I never know what dreams mean either. <laughs> when somebody brings it to me, I'm like, oh, what's that one going to mean? Like, where are we going to go with that? So a little bit, I have developed a knowledge base of, in general, these are the things that come up when we talk about losing your teeth and dreams. When I first started out, I thought, where's the source? Who, who has the best dictionary? Who's going to always tell me exactly what the symbol represents? But, but it's not that. It's more artistic than that. So, so here's the deal. So you brainstorm. You go to all your resources. You Google. You, you talk to your friends. You look it up. You, all the things. And you come up with a big collection. And then you're supposed to tune in to what's resonating for you. Because dreams are from you to you and for you. So your teeth falling out dream might mean more about vanity or more about your financial security. And the dream is actually way more brilliant than that, than just a definition. Like the dreaming mind doesn't go, you know the dream dictionaries, it's this one plus this one equals this dream. Your dream is going to even give you clues inside the dream. So once you figure out, okay, for me, this teeth falling out, it does feel like a financial concern because I was looking at my finances earlier in the week. It's been bothering me, but I really haven't carved out any time to address that. So then you go, okay, well, what's the commentary that this dream is making on my financial concerns? So you would look to tell me more about the experience of your teeth falling out in this dream. So maybe in this dream, your teeth were falling out while you were in a public place mm. as opposed to your teeth falling out when you're standing in your bathroom. So it can, it's dreams are layered in their meat and they're actually way more rich and way more personalized than people realize. Okay. God, I've got so many questions. <laughs> <laughs> have I thrown this... you off or have I deepened your uh, excitement oh, about I... it? I could, I could, I could talk, I could probably do a whole, just a podcast just dedicated to talking about dreams, to be honest. <laughs> and I'd well, be happy to do it. It's just, I mean, I don't know, the logical side of me just looks at something like that, like, oh, it must just be an anxiety thing. Because sure. like, the only time I ever tend to dream is if I'm going through like an anxious period in my life, where there's just a lot of stuff going on. Or incidentally, um, and I covered this in, in one of my um, earlier episodes. So for whoever, whoever is keeping up to date with the podcast or is new to the podcast, make sure you check out some of the episodes in the Sleep and Dream series. Um, I, sp I spoke about how whenever I've gone like drinking or if I disturb my sleeping pattern in some way, like any, you, do you know, anything like that, even just yeah. a little bit gradual, suddenly like, wild dreams just just mm -hmm. really weird vivid yeah. dreams and yeah. yeah i don't really get nightmares as such but um i do kind of get like horror kind of moments mm -hmm. um the only the only dream and this is obviously connected with um because i suffer from sleep paralysis and sleep apnea 
And oh um, wow, yeah. And I, I was interested to get your take on this. So mm -hmm. I always have this recurring dream every time it happens that I'm like in my bed or wherever I'm sleeping, and I'm dreaming that I'm there. And it's kind of like it used to be that I didn't know if I was dreaming or not, and now I know that I am dreaming. And it's kind of my brain has created a recreation of my room and me in it. And then I'm then struggling to wake up from that dream. So like you are standing beside yourself. No, not even. It's kind of like, what well, is, I am looking at myself, but not like presiding over myself. It's like, like, I don't know if I was just behind myself or something. <laughs> you so, know. Okay. All right. So to get a little bit more clear then what you're saying is like, you're sort of this, this presence in the room yeah, where you're yeah. seeing yourself yes. sleeping. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, um, well, creep, so creeping on myself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, God, there's, yeah, you're right. There's so many different ways we could go. Um, because I want to back up a little bit. I do want to talk about this piece, but I want to back sure. up a little bit and talk about the idea of uh, substances affecting the dream state mm -hmm. and, you know, messing with your sleep schedule and things that you eat late at night right before you go to sleep, right? So there has been some dream research and they have proven that those um, can elicit more bizarre dreams or more, you know, more vivid dreaming states or more shorter dreams or whatever it happens to be. I don't remember in the moment what the specifics of that are, but it would drive me crazy because when I first got into dream work as a young adult, my parents trying to be very supportive, wanted to show like, Oh, tell us what our dream means. You know, but they really didn't want to know. <laughs> they, they were just trying to support their daughter, right? They didn't want some deep truth. <laughs> we weren't sitting down <laughs> together. They, they were like, please don't, you know. Um, so my dad would always like come at me and go, okay, Pam, I had this dream. And I'm like, okay, dad. And he would tell me the most amazing, like rich symbol dream, da, da, da. And before I could say anything, he goes, but I ate pizza right at the end, right before I went to sleep. I'm sure that what it, that's what it was. And he would walk away. <laughs> Wait. Um, Brilliant. So it's true. But also, so it, so the substances can have a funhouse mirror effect on your dreams, right? So the bizarre can become exaggerated. But what's true is your unconscious mind still uses symbols and imagery and all of those things to reflect what it is that is under the surface that you're processing or that some emotion that's stuck or something that you're, that you still need help untangling some issue. So if, if people still want to explore those dreams, we can. I just want to give people their, please don't dismiss them as useless because um, even if you just say, I had a dream of a gray chair, we can work with that. Like the symbol is what's important that came from your own mind. Hmm. So that's the first piece is I, I, this, you know, because dreams are layered in their meaning, I personally am willing to go as deep as somebody wants to go. And I'm often way ahead of them and they don't want to go that deep. <laughs> so I've had to learn how to like turn off my, oh, cool. Yeah, that was just anxiety. You're right. I'm sure it was just about that and doesn't have any more wisdom for you, you know. Um, so that's, that's like, I just want to say that, like, that, that they always have something to say. 
if you care to look. So I'm gonna put that in a box and set it up to the side. You hit a hot button there for me. Um, so the sleep paralysis, um, is that, I wanna, I wanna talk a little bit about, about that piece, um, but is that when you have the recurring dream of your body lying in the bed asleep or so dead? It happens just before I'm due to wake up. So I've, I've noticed this is really weird. Oh. Um, yeah, whenever I dream, and I don't know if this is the same for everyone, and this not just for sleep paralysis, but just dreams in general, I've always noticed that I dream just before I wake up, mm-hmm. which I guess is my brain is, is kind of, I don't know. It's because it's not REM anymore, and that's supposed to be where you or maybe it is. I don't know. That's where you're supposed to dream is during REM. Sleep. It's so. So what they found is that REM sleep is when you have the most story-like dreams. Okay. But it's not the only time you're in the dream state getting images. Images. Okay. Um, when you are about to, when you're in that secondary sleep stage or whatever, which is you know you're sort of you've actually drifted off to sleep, but just barely, or you're about to wake up, you have more flash images like more snippets of dreams will show up. Um, And usually recall is better during that time because you're closest to the dream state at that time. It's definitely with recurring dreams, um, your mind has sort of picked up a habit of this is where we go right before we wake up. Or you're you're, especially if you have that experience of sleep paralysis, which, um, you know, is that, is that miscommunication between waking state and sleeping state where the muscles, large muscles are still paralyzed, right? And if you're, if you're used to having that state or not used to, but if that occur, has occurred to you, then you have the experience of what the dream is showing you, mm. which is being asleep and awake sort of at the same time, you know? So, um, so that's what I would, would look at that piece as, is like, preparation for experiencing like remember we're asleep here we are asleep now because you know this this is a dream and then and then you wake up so maybe it's your unconscious mind trying to help you fix that for yourself (laughs) are you saying are you saying no because it's not or because it's wild all of the above (laughs) (laughs) yeah yes i love it okay i mean i've been having it since i was like nine years old Mm. and it's like i i realized probably like three four years into that occurring like okay we have sleep paralysis great um <laughs> but then it's like it sounds it sounds terrifying um it can be but to be honest for me it's not so much i mean it's 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 not great when it happens i think my yeah. biggest worry and this is how i discovered that i have like acute sleep apnea is that if i panic in that state I can sometimes stop breathing and that's worrying because that happens quite frequently and I have to kind of (gasps) calm myself and then like for instance most recently and I mentioned this in the last episode um incidentally normally it just affects like my upper body but this time like my legs felt like I couldn't move my legs or there's something like that and I was desperately trying to shake them and in my con in sort of like semi-conscious state I know like I need to keep doing this because this jolting action will wake me up. I know that this is, and that, that and that's the weird thing. This only happened maybe like 
a few years back where I realized that I can control uh, myself in that state because uh, I'm consciously aware. Um, it's, oh, it's really weird. But yeah, um, I've seen information online that says that like sleeping on your side helps and it does. I've only ever had this, the night hag experience once and it was when I was abroad and I was sleeping on like a sort of really uncomfortable sofa. Um, that was wild, man. Uh, it's like something out of the ring. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I, I've never had it, and it sounds it sounds really terrifying. Um, it, it depends. It, it can yeah. be, but a lot of the time, yeah. it's it's just. Well, that's good. I'm annoying. glad to hear of a different experience, and and kind of somebody who's experienced it for a long time. Although I'm sorry that you have had that experience. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Like, well. We've, we've already explored some dreams. Can you give us like a sort of a general kind of rundown of the meanings of some of the most popular dreams? So let's, let's start back with, with the, to, the teeth dream. What, what does that yeah. generally mean? Yeah, so there's a couple of things. I, I think that you hit it with vanity. I mean, I think there's a, there, mm. it's how we feel we are being perceived in the okay. world. Um, because it's the part. So the other piece is financial. I know I mentioned financial, which is a really funny kind of connection. Yeah, what is the connection there? Is that like supposed to mm -hmm. represent money? Then? It's supposed to represent concerns of financial structure. So the bones of our body are our structure that holds us up and the teeth are the bones uh... that show. So that's why it, it gets into our, our okay. structure. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, it's so funny. I continue to get humbled by dream work. And I struggle to call myself a dream expert, but it's what people understand. And it's how I meet people wherever they are. Right. But I don't know all the things. I don't think of all the things in the moment. And I posted a TikTok about teeth and dreams and here are the things it could mean. And I thought I was, thought I was like, this is so smart. And it was very helpful. And then somebody commented and was like, I thought I was just grinding my teeth at night. And I was like, <laughs> that yeah. could be it too. I could for sure be it because body signals are definitely coming through in the unconscious and the dream state, right? So anxiety, you're grinding your teeth. You have a dream of your teeth falling out. <laughs> you, you mentioned earlier, obviously, there's a lot of like dream research. So I guess my question is like twofold. Like, Firstly, how does one study the meaning of dreams? Like, obviously, you can study the body's reaction. You know, you can study, I don't know, the chemicals in the body that occur during various states of the sleep cycle, etc. But like, how can you actually study dreams and then begin to like interpret them? Oh, you're, so you're asking two questions. One is how do you research dreams, right, for their yep. meaning? So the research portion of it, it's actually really interesting. There is an international association for the study of dreams. Uh, I think it's their website, asdreams.org. And um, they have compiled um, all of the books that have been written and all of the articles that are coming out and any new research that's coming out, all of that gets compiled into this big um, think tank organization that has that has a bunch of resources. Um, but for somebody who is in school who really wants to study the psychology of dreaming and what it means, there is, um, what they do is they collect anecdotal stories of people's dreams, 
but they collect them in mass so that they can go through and scan for certain words or certain symbols or certain you know um, data points and then they collect you know age of the person gender of the person location all of those different and they end up with this huge database about people's dreams the other place that they collect dreams is in sleep studies yeah. sometimes they can they'll uh, perform a study where they wake somebody up in the middle of the night when they notice they're in room sleep they'll wake them up and go what's happening what were you dreaming about okay so that's how that, that's how they sort of collect the dream reports in order to be able to study the meaning so what was going on in your life what feels significant those kinds of things interesting hmm. I, oh, i'm so glad i'm doing this show um okay. there was a guy that i saw when i was out working yesterday and he was the spitting image of now you you will know what i'm talking about but not everyone at home will know what i'm talking about there's like this particular face that shows up in a lot of dreams and it's it's a, it's a man's face but it's like um heavy very heavy set like eyebrows like very dark um and the, the image is everywhere and so many people have seen this man's face in their dreams and i remember walking past this guy and i was just like tidying because i work in a bar and i was just like tidying the outside of the place and i was just like that's that guy he's, he's real right anyway <laughs> bringing it to our conversation about dreams um what what do you make of that like what's the purpose of seeing this this face and and how like what what what's the purpose there why are we seeing this face <laughs> so the, there's the psychology and then there's the sort of archetypal energy um idea of it um so here's what comes up for me first um there is and there is a you know general face symmetry okay. that we collectively see as beautiful right so there are certain character traits that we as a species are drawn towards or are um can make sense of and, and are attracted to right okay so so my sort of the psychology behind it is that this particular face has a collection of features that taps into our uh, sort of cellular <laughs> uh, makeup of what we're drawn towards. How's that for a? I try. I try to put uh -huh. that in. Forward, right. That. That's my. That's my. That's my take on it. Is that there's this. There's the collective. The collective features. Okay. So that's that. So then there's this like archetypal energy or woo woo piece of it. A lot of times in dream art, people are like, oh, that's too woo woo for me. Don't go, you know, into that space. Um, but energetically, once one, you know, oh God, okay. You know the thing about chimpanzees on different sides of the world where one, when they're studying, oh, I'm going to mess this up so bad. This is my simplistic brain and not being able to put words together. When one, one chimp figures out a tool, how to use a tool and teaches the other monkey, suddenly another chimp in another part of the world figures out the tool and teaches other, the other monkeys how to use it. And there's this like um, collective energy imprint. 
So that's where my, that's where, that's where the woo-woo enters in for me. It's archetypal energy, which is what Carl, Carl Jung talks about. Hold on. Okay. When yeah. you say collective energy, do you mean like connected consciousness in the sense that because that one chimpanzee figured that stuff out, suddenly then another chimpanzee in another part of the world can do so because they're wired into the same collective yeah. consciousness? it's it's yes it's our connected psyche it's the matrix man it's the matrix it's the human collective consciousness yes see for for people that follow me um i would say that i'm i'm quite a a normal guy i would say artistic guy creative guy right um but i have my strange beliefs and i always keep an open mind i i come from a scientific background but when I was living abroad in Estonia, I was kind of exposed to a lot of different things from a spiritual perspective. and It kind of opened my eyes about a lot of different things. I still question everything. I don't take everything on face value and I'm always questioning it. But I do wonder a lot about these things and I go back and forth all the time. And that idea right there, I believe it. And it's funny because me and my dad... Um, we're not like close, close, like we didn't grow like together or anything. Um, but we've both independently come to the same conclusions about our belief of how the universe and everything works. And it's funny because like he'll sit me down and he'll start talking like, oh, this is what I believe. And he said, he said the line, oh, I believe that existence is, or was it he said, uh, collective consciousness expressed in an individualized um, way, right? And I was like, oh, yeah, that's what I believe, too. And he was just, you know, I mean, he, he just plays off like, yeah, OK. Um, but it's, it's interesting to me that we've come to that same conclusion, having never spoken about it, <laughs> you know, never talked about it. But look, I mean, you believe what you want to believe in life and everyone's entitled to that. But I will say that on a lot of this stuff, it always comes back to the bigger questions of like, what's the purpose? What's the meaning, et cetera. And because science can only take you so far. And I always lean on science generally to kind of look at like, well, what are the facts here? What are we dealing with? And, you know, to, to look at dreams and say, oh, they're just a, a, it's just biological chemical reactions to things, et cetera. And it's just that induces that in you. And, and you, you know, maybe, maybe, it, maybe it is that. But what if it's more? So bear with me here. What if it is more? And on that wavelength, let's ask the big one. What do you think is the purpose of dreams? Dreams are my connection to the divine. They are um, the, they're the part of me that I can't control. And they're internal. And they're bigger than me. They can show me things that I didn't know I was denying. They can tell me truths about myself that I didn't know I wasn't noticing. And so as I learned the language of my dreaming mind, here we go, what I noticed is that it's metaphor and symbol and that is the same language that people talk about in religions. Mm -hmm. The language of 
spirit, the universe, the coent, the blah, 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 blah. It's symbolic. It's metaphorical. It's um, image-based. So for me, what I learned is that by just recording my dreams and tapping into them and maybe reflecting every once in a while on what it means for me, I have this trusted source in me that's going to tell me the truth every time, going to be totally unfiltered and, and honest. And if I choose to look through that lens of symbolism, it's going to teach me something to move me and evolve me forward towards being a better version of myself. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, one thing that I've had over the years a lot, which I still struggle with is I kind of have like a forward version of deja vu. So obviously for those who don't know deja vu, it's when you dream that you have experienced something before it feels familiar. Um, but it happens in everyday life. You know, it's, it's like, did I dream this before? Did this happen before? Some people say that it's, you know, a flash from a previous life or something like that, you know, mm -hmm. a particular place feels familiar or a particular person. Sometimes I, I get that you meet certain people and you're like, I know you. Like it happened to me the other day. I, I was working. Uh, there was a, a girl that worked in the restaurant next door and I introduced myself and I just said like, oh, you look so familiar. And th th there was no reason. I should probably just look like someone I've met before, but it felt deeper than that. But anyway, um, with the concept of like dreaming things before they happen, where do you sit on that? Like what, <laughs> how is this possible? Yeah. Yeah. And I will share a few, cause I don't know if I've shared it on, I don't know if I've spoken about this in the dream series yet. So there's two dreams that I've had that I've had ahead of time. One of them, the first one was a more profound one, which is where I was, um, I was dating this girl when I was 13, 14. And I remember sitting down on her bed. And as soon as I looked at the door frame with her to the right of me, deja vu, but it was different because I remember dreaming it when I was very young, maybe like five years old or something. And I made, yeah. And I wow. made that connection in my head and I was like, no, no, this can't be, that's impossible. That, but I remember that. I remember dreaming that. And then years later it happened again. I was, I was at college and I was sitting in the classroom and I don't know that I, we had like a computer room and there was a teacher that came over and boom, same again. And I dreamt that two years prior to that happening so before i even knew that i was going to college or any of that kind of stuff so those are my experiences but yeah what do you make of wow. that wow it's so brilliant and profound and i love so much that you have those because you can't deny them they're experience-based right so uh yeah it it happens all the time actually <laughs> So dreams are, um, every dream is layered. So you can go like, this dream is anxiety or just, I ate pizza, fine. And yep, that's actually probably true. This dream is a byproduct of the activity in my brain. That's probably true, the science, right? And then the deeper you go, all of those layers can be true at the same time. 
So I don't think that prophetic dreams are just prophetic. I don't think that mundane dreams are just mundane. I think that they're just, it's just this rich playground for your soul and whatever that means to you. And it sounds like in that moment uh, in your teens, it's, it meant something different all of a sudden. There's a capacity in you all of a sudden that's like, uh, I don't, I don't know how that happened, but it's such an intimate personal experience. But more than that, though, don't you think that the significance of that changes like the concept of how we understand time? So if I am able to dream the future, yes, that presents this idea. And again, this is just, you know, I'm not saying this is it. I'm just saying maybe right. if you're able to dream the future then maybe time exists in a sense of it's all happening at the same time. So the past, the present, and the future are all happening at the same time, but they're not occurring at the same time. They just exist at the same time. And therefore that brings a bunch of other questions. Like for example, maybe time travel is possible, but not in the way that we understand it. Maybe it's more of like a, a shifting of energy into another state as opposed to actually traveling, you know, like DeLorean and going back and stuff, you know, it's like actually like shifting from one energy space to another or something. I'll tell you what I, what I think about that, about where you're going with that. Um, I have had personal experiences where I'm sitting at my desk doing my work on an Excel spreadsheet data entry. And suddenly I'm also inexplicably in my head or in my in my vision i'm standing three-dimensionally in the parking lot of an outlet mall that i've been to before and i'm doing the data entry and i'm like what's happening because it's it's like third eye stuff it's like um it's it's perception i'm perceiving two different places at the same time i don't know what to make of it i didn't know what to make of it at the time but i did know because i work with dreams not to freak out my deal with dreams is the more you work with them, the more you normalize those mystical things that you can't explain, and the less disruptive you are when they happen. So that I can now stay calm and collected and go, cool, I don't understand what's happening right now, but I'm present to it, and I'm going to wait for more information. <laughs> And I can't wait to tell my sister when I get home from work. <laughs> so, so for me, it's about, this, this is why I'm obsessed with sitting with people in dream work and also spiritual direction, because those woo-woo, those mystical encounters come up and we go, how do we hold space for that as a reality for you? I did experience this. It did happen deja vu for me. I did remember the dream from when I was a child. So then my job is to hold the container and let us both wander around in there and go, what do you think that is? You spoke about, you know, physically being in one place and another. That reminds me of um, astral projection. What do you think of the concept of that? Do you think maybe our soul is actually flying? I mean, I can tell you my experience of astral projection. I don't know that it's astral projection, but I think it, my experience is that I remember having this recurring dream of like falling, but it wasn't like a typical falling dream. 
in the sense, it, like if it was like jumping off a building and falling off a building, then maybe you could be like, oh, maybe it's a fear of heights or whatever. But it was never that. It was more like a feeling of helplessness, like never, because I'd never, ever hit the floor, ever. But, and this is crucial, in my teenage room, I had this like weird, um, well, before I had a bunk bed, I had like a sort of semi bunk bed where there was like a desk un underneath, but there was like a big, massive, like heavy bar on there, right? Like just a really weird, like massive bar. It's about this big in size and length. Anyway, I always remember in those moments when I'd wake up from that dream, I was like clinging onto that. Almost as though like I hit the ground, if you want to call it that, uh being the bed so i just hit the bed and i wake up and i and I jolt you know and i jolt a lot in dreams actually and i wonder sometimes if maybe it's because i've been astral projecting yeah right so this is the part people don't want to hear but the truth is it's what you believe to be uh -huh. true i can't tell you you were or were not astral projecting i can tell you about my experiences we can compare notes and you can decide if I'm a safe enough, grounded enough person that you're gonna go, okay, if she was doing it, maybe that's what I was doing too. Like we choose what feels right for each of us to believe. And dreams kind of help us expand that a little bit and go, maybe I believe a little, maybe that's possible. Maybe deja vu is actually a wrinkle in time. Maybe I have, maybe my soul has the capacity to astral travel my question then is if that's what that means for you what does that do for you how do you walk around in the world differently okay i'll throw another idea at you because i'm just <laughs> loving this and i know the audience will love this too oh i hope so <laughs> what do you make of the concept that right now this right now we're dead but the dreams are actually the oh no we're not necessarily dead but this is the dream and the dreams are actually reality. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know what I make of that? I'm like, then let's have a, have a lot of fun here. <laughs> if yeah. this is dream space, maybe this is lucid, right? Maybe we can dream up whatever we want to have happen. Yeah. Let's stay in that space and make the best and make the most of it here. It's interesting though, isn't it? Because you often hear about this in life. People say like, oh, if you dream it, you can, you know, wherever the mind can conceive, it, uh, can conceive it can achieve, right? And it always sounds like a throwaway sentence. And I've seen it happen, I've seen, but you know, obviously things take time, it takes a lot of hard work, etc. right? But let's suppose for a minute that that's true, that whatever you think materializes and becomes, and you have to, as you said, like manifest it, right? Perhaps it, perhaps it is like, you know what we saw in in like the first matrix movie where you can essentially just manipulate everything but you have to have like a actual you have to have belief and you have to actually be able to control everything right but and and but the reason i say this and people sound crazy i know i sound crazy and people will be like but christian science i know i'm there i'm with you okay but just hear me out you know, they always talk about like how the brain only uses like 10, 20% of its potential, or whatever. Like, what if that other like 80% is all of that stuff? What if like there was a way to unlock our, 
unlimited potential and we could just do everything from like teleportation to like time manipulation to i don't know curing our own health and making us live eternally like imagine imagine all of that maybe, maybe, imagine we were able to i don't know regenerate our own cell growth and stuff like that you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so yeah here's what comes up for me <laughs> i don't want everybody else to be able to do that to themselves because it might affect the things that are going on for me. It brings up for me the idea of ego. Okay. And the idea of maybe I'm meant to play small here until I learn how to be responsible enough to play bigger. Of maybe if I had control of my reality and before I've matured, I'm going to do some pretty immature things with it. So maybe practicing in the dream space and because there are ways that you can suggest to your dreams, like I want to know about this or help me understand this, or you can practice becoming lucid in a dream or whatever. Maybe I'm supposed to create a dialogue between my ego self, my waking mind and my dreaming mind and put them both to use, but guided by the dream space, which is like, hey, first you need to deal with this issue. Something you said there intrigued me, and I, I'm pretty sure you meant something else, but I'm just going to run with it. Yeah. You said there, what if this is like, yeah, we're not supposed to have the ability to control everything in this reality, like this life, right? Okay, let's run with that. Let's say that that's the case. Are you then kind of implying that maybe this is a test? in order to see how we deal with this so that when we go on to another plane of existence where there are no restrictions we would be responsible with that power is that what you're saying maybe i am now that's an interesting that's an interesting thing i would change the word test okay to to learning ground okay this is a learning ground because because for me the divine force is always saying like starting wherever i am with no no shame or no guilt about my choices it's not about well you did that wrong try again it's about oh look what you did there yeah what do you think about that now let's do it again and see how you choose to do it differently i'm an eternal optimist so i don't think it's a test that we can pass or fail i think it's just a learning ground and every experience I have is new data to help me choose better or differently next time. In general, and this might sound like a really basic, obvious question, but I just want to get your, th your initial thoughts. How do you interpret nightmares? What do you make of nightmares? What's the point? What's the function? Yeah. Walk us through nightmares for a bit. Yeah. So there's a, um, there's a great dream researcher, author, teacher named Jeremy Taylor. And he always said that dreams, all dreams come in the interest of health and wholeness. So nightmares scare us into noticing something. And the, the two things our dreams are always doing is attaching to something from waking life and then making commentary on that. So with a nightmare, what I do is I go, okay, what, what are, first of all, what are the emotions I felt in the dream? And where have I felt that combination of emotions, almost like a fingerprint of emotions? 
in my waking life before. So oh, what's, wow. what's connected to waking life? And okay. then I would explore the dream symbolically as commentary on that thing. Have you ever seen, you, know, you talk a lot about symbols and stuff like that. Have you ever seen a lot of that stuff that you've dreamt in real life? On occasion. Did it freak you um, out? <laughs> yeah, the first, well, the first time I had a dream that ended up sort of being true, it wasn't a nightmare, but when I experienced it the very next day, I was like, um, I dreamt this. What does, can I tell the future now? Am I supposed to be a fortune? What does this mean? Because it freaked, it did. It freaked me out because it was the exact set of circumstances that I could not have predicted was coming up the day before. And I dreamt it that night. Um, that's not nightmare related though. So tell me more about what you're asking. Uh, I, I just just general I guess I just want to kind of pick your brains about various topics and nightmares is just mm -hmm. I mean I mean in general and that's why I'm, I was hesitant to ask the question because in general it's like well obviously it's most likely as you say to kind of push you into action and sort of at least make you face the realities of what's going on in your life and be like I can take it a step further sure go for it because um what I found useful and what I teach my clients to do is if it's coming out in a nightmare scenario, it's gonna make you feel not safe to go back to sleep again. So here's how we reset that so that you can go back to sleep and trust your dreams again. You go into what's called your active imagination. So you close your eyes when you're awake and sitting up and fully safe. I'm not gonna get drawn back into this nightmare, but I'm gonna close my eyes and I'm going to envision the nightmare and get to the scariest part that I, feel like I safely can get to, okay? And then what I would do is, it's what I, I would bless the scene. So from a waking conscious mind, place of control, I would say, this is here for my purpose, there is a purpose here. And I would like to know what the purpose is, but I don't want this dream again. So dreaming mind, take note, none of this, please. Show me again in a, more does in a less terrifying way and a more in a more hopeful way and then i would call on for me it's it's loving light right so i surround the scene like a snow globe with what feels like blessing for me whatever my faith is whatever my religious beliefs are whatever my you know spirit guides whatever works in your safest place that's what i would do bless the scene, the scariest scene of the nightmare and say, hey, I know this was for me, but I don't want it anymore. I want you to explain it to me in a different way. And then that sets me up to be able to go back to sleep. Right on, cool. Yeah. Um, I just want to return back to, because I, I, we, only, we only covered one and I know people will, will come at me for not asking about the others, but I'll, yeah. I'll ask you about all the most common dreams I can think of off the top of my head. Uh, why, why, why do you think we dream about, you know, not having our clothes in school or something like that? Like, you know, because I've had this dream before and it, it, I don't get the whole embarrassment thing. I think the weird thing about me in my dreams is a lot of the time I question the logic because that's how I am in real life. I just question everything to, mm -hmm. to at fault. You know, sometimes I need mm -hmm. to just shut up. <laughs> that's, that's what I was told in school. I don't know. Um, 
but point is that when I question in the dream, it then I'm not embarrassed. I'm just like, this is weird. Why wouldn't I have put trousers on? Like this doesn't. And then the dream in it like just dissipates after that. Like and and also just on a connecting note with that, uh, whenever I question the logic within the dream, or if I'm able to do that, I always wake up straight away after that. So okay, oh god, you're giving me so many. So I want to talk about being naked in a dream or hey. having particular layer of clothing. Um, our clothing is our protection. So you are missing one or two or more layers of protection. And it makes a difference if it's your, you know, chest or your legs or whatever, that's going to be symbolic, right? Um, it's also about exposure. So if you feel like you have overexposed yourself in waking life in some way, like you've accidentally overshared in some way, that might show up as a missing clothing. There's also the unprepared piece of you thought you were preparing for one thing, like a Zoom in your house, and you ended up having to go in public. So what I would question with that is where in your waking life recently have you been caught off guard or unprepared for something? Because that might show up as a naked dream. Um, the other thing I want to address, though, is what you brought up, Christian, about having your logical mind come on board inside the dream and that waking you up, right? Yeah. Our logical mind is offline when we sleep. So when yours come on board, it triggers you to wake up. Right. It's like, oh, hang on, that's ego. That's a conscious waking mind. That's in the waking state. And then that's when you wake up. Oh, back up a second. Mm -hmm. You're, are you implying that there's no ego attached to when we're in the dream state? Here's, the, here's my take on that. The dreamer themselves represents in everything inside the everything the ego knows so all of the other characters in a dream can be parts of your unconscious sure that are there to teach you so ego is present in the dream but shows up as the dreamer okay it's just that whenever i dream i always dream i'm in the dream and i mean yeah like i'm in control Pretty okay. much, or I'm reacting to whatever's going on or whatever, like, you know. So, right. So I um, posted a TikTok a while back and I asked the question, do you see yourself in dreams or are you looking through first person or is it like a third person or are you not present in the dream at all? And you would be shocked at the, I was shocked at the variety of responses. Some people said, depends on the dream, it's all three. Some people said, I never see myself in the dream. I'm never a part of my dream. Wow. Um, a lot of times people will dream that they're seeing the dream on a movie screen and they're sitting watching the dream happen, but they're not in it. So oh, for yeah. me, that tells me something about the distance that you're choosing to be from this issue. Like you can't fully integrate it yet. And so you're seeing it on a screen. Your ego's not even present to it yet. Do you think the same could be true of being physically in the dream? Like that represents your willingness to be connected to the issue. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Your capacity to, to inspect and interact with that issue. Yeah, absolutely. There's one recurring dream that I have. It's not that frequent, but it's on and off. Um, so I graduated from uni like five years ago, but I still have these dreams every once in a while where it'll be like, I don't know, I'm in school or uni and I'm like either 
I don't know, I'm failing something or I, something is due and I've missed the due date, something like that. Yeah. Do, you, do you know what that's supposed to represent like years after the fact when, you know, it's no longer relevant? Yeah, for me, what I would ask in that situation is what's going on right now that you, your um, five years ago self has something to offer. So what were you, what were you like five years ago? How are you different now? And how would that person handle some situation in your waking life differently? It might be useful to tap into that part of yourself. No, five years ago, me is a mess. <laughs> like me, me now, I'm a lot more grounded and yeah, there's a lot of reasons for that. But yeah, five years ago, me was just panic central, man, really. And so, so you could be encountering something right now that, that five years ago, you is like, no, no, we know this. We've, we've seen this before back then. So it might just be triggering because it's something similar. Okay. I would, I would offer that five years ago, you might still have something to offer hmm. as, as a mess. That's interesting. But what do you make of um, dreams where someone is trying to attack us or kill us or you know, something like that? Yeah, we're being followed. Yeah, all that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, for real, Vince. Is that the answer? No, that's not my answer. Um, I'm, I, the reason I used that phrase we're being followed is because of like TikTok and Instagram and podcasting and all of that. We want to be followed, right? No. <laughs> we're in a state of like, hey, tune in, listen to what I have to say, right? Oh, right, right. So yeah, it yeah, can yeah. trigger if it becomes, you know, too much pressure or if there's a moment of anxiety or if somebody makes an ugly comment that's like, are they, do they know more? Um, then that can trigger a dream that we are being followed so here's the other thing about being attacked um if you think of the dream state as ego and figures of the unconscious then a figure out of my unconscious attacking me could be a negative pattern that i'm about to repeat in waking life and this this part of my unconscious is rearing its ugly head and going i'm coming for you this is our survival technique. Even though you think you've learned better, I'm gonna take over and we're gonna do it my way. So like an unconscious um, uh, behavior uh, that's triggered by something. You know, it's interesting for me as well is that in those dreams, I'm never scared. And the, the antagonist never gets me. Or if they do, if they do try to, they're not successful. I always wonder, like, what the significance of that is. Okay. Just... So here's the thing: as we've been talking, that seems to be a pattern for you as you're sharing. It's like, yeah, I don't, I don't. That's fine. We're not gonna deal with that. Well, that's okay. It's logic. So there's this voice that's showing up, Christian. That I'm hearing. I'm like, oh, there's that voice again. That part of you that is very um, safe and sits in um, the space of logic and is almost like the um, sort of the judge of what we're gonna let in. I like so, this. So <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm in control. Yeah, yeah, there's like this very strong part that is very clear about that's not gonna, that's not gonna scare me. Mm. And, 
I'm not gonna, you know, we're not worried about that part. I just think that that's an interesting thing that, that I could keep hearing. Um, but to your question of being in the dream state, if it's not scary in the dream, then what emotions is it? And again, where has that fingerprint of emotion shown up in your waking life? Because you always, uh, dreams sort of contextualize our emotional state, especially our repressed emotions. So if it's not scary, it doesn't have to be scary. There are lots of times people share a dream and I'm like, oh my God, that sounds horrifying. And they're like, no, it was actually entertaining. So then we look at, okay, where have you been entertained recently that maybe looked at from a different place could be a little bit more scary or subversive, but it's not really to you. So, so the emotional experience that you have is always a point of interest for me in dream work. Those dreams where, you know, you dream something really obvious, like, I don't know, and I've had this as well, where it's like a mountain and, you know, like I always look to that as like the obvious, like, okay, well, clearly there's a big obstacle in my way that I need to overcome, right? But is it that simple or is there more to it? There's always something that the dreaming state is offering to you that is new. Mm. So even if you go, okay, I know exactly what that is. I know it's relating to this thing that happened yesterday and it's a mountain and I know I need to overcome it. My question would be what in the dream stands out as still unexplained? What part of the dream is still curious? So for example, but it was middle of the night and stormy or rainy or whatever. I'm like, hmm, why do you think it was the middle of the night as opposed to bright daylight? Even though we know what the mountain is and that's easy and we've got that piece. Now let's figure out why your dreaming mind chose to throw in such rich imagery around it. Just, just blows my mind, all of this stuff. Really, really does. Um, okay. Let's move it into uh, talking about your work with um, spirituality. So what what are HSPs, highly sensitive people, and how do they differ from regular people? Oh, hello, Simplex. Highly sensitive people. Um, it is a proven inherited genetic temperament trait that 20 to 25% of the population is what we call highly sensitive. And okay. I think that the science community has now shifted to a, a different name for it okay um which which if i think of it i'll shout out but i'm not going to think of it right now dr elaine aaron uh 25 30 years ago when she was doing her phd started looking into her therapist called her highly sensitive and she was like what does that even mean so she started looking into it and what she found was that um biologists over the years of studying human behavior and animal behavior had identified, although they all called it something different, but in their study, she was able to find where they mentioned 15 to 20% of the fish species in our study would not go into the trap for some reason or whatever. So she's the one that sort of brought it into the idea of, is this a real thing? So here's what it means. It means that my nervous system is wired in high definition where everybody else's nervous system is wired in standard definition. 
So I take in more sensory input. Okay. And I can't tune it all the way out. I can't, it's unconscious. So it means I have a deeper level of processing input. It means I get overstimulated easily or um, uh, overwhelmed, easily overwhelmed. People who are highly sensitive sometimes will get really irritated when cold air blows over their skin, but they won't be able to tell you why. Um, whereas somebody else would be like, why are you even noticing that? So I have a finely tuned nervous system that uh, means I'm always deeply processing. I'm always taking in stimuli at a deeper level than other people. Stimuli can be anything of the senses. Mm. I get emotionally overwhelmed easily because I can empathize with people at a deeper level. I can't watch violence on TV because it will wreck me for a week. Um, and I'm sensitive to subtle changes in my environment. Yeah, I'm starting to wonder if I have this too, because it's like there's some of the stuff you're explaining that like resonates. Like for example, I've never had it diagnosed, but I have like pretty bad anxiety sometimes, mm -hmm. but it affects me like physically. Like it just, it's like, and I can't get rid of it. I try everything that, you know, people say to do like, you know, just take a shower, take a walk, relax yourself. But no, I have to just wait until it stops, which sucks. The best thing for me that I've learned about being highly sensitive is that when I get into that state of overwhelm or anxiety, I have to find sensory deprivation. Hmm. I will go into a dark room and put a weighted blanket on and just lay there and I can feel my whole body buzzing and I just have to lay there totally unstimulated by any sensory input until I can like normalize my nervous system normalizes again and then I can re-enter wherever I was. But sensory deprivation is the thing that I that helps me when I get in that state. And, and I know now that, again, 15 to 20% of the population of humans are highly sensitive. We're walking around like buzzing with input and it's unconscious. So we don't know why we're overreacting. I'll be at the best party ever and I will be done way before anybody else is done but i'm like but we're happy everybody's having a good time but i am melting internally so so being highly sensitive is um i've i've learned to really be able to identify it because i know the words now so i can talk about it for people that aren't highly sensitive people that are, as you say normal or less connected do you think it's possible for them to unearth that and, and bring that out of them? Or do you think it's just like some people have it, some people don't? So it's been debated and I think new science is always coming out, but the current, uh, the current stand on it is that it's not a gradient uh, where some, some people are a variation. People can have sensitivities without being a highly sensitive person. So high, being a highly sensitive person is an inherited genetic trait like a like a temperament trait personality but it means that underlying everything for me either i have anxiety or i don't have anxiety or whatever else other things are on top of that my nervous system is wired to be 
on high definition all the time. I can't turn it off. I can't become wired that way. It's just how I am. Sounds so tiring. I mean, I can relate. I really can. Like, I don't know to what extent I'm wired in, but I know that, well, for example, I know I'm much more kind of mm, emotional, I think, than most guys. Mm-hmm. I've kind of cut it, brought it more in check in more recent years. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, because I had a bit of a like crisis when it came to masculinity in the last like four or five years. Now it's kind of leveled out, and I'm like, no, I'm, I'm comfortable with this. I can be like yeah. a man. But it can also be emotional and that's fine too. And you find the, you find your balance, whatever works. Right. But at the same time, it's intriguing to me. The fact that that's there and what that means and what that represents and the fact that everyone has it to different levels. I mean, because if nothing else, it means that you can understand some people very well and some people not so much. Like for example, there are people in my life that, I just get like that. I understand what the problem is. I know I can feel that there's a problem. Like I don't even need to like really, especially like look at them to know that there's a problem. I can just feel it in the air or like, for example, what do you make of this? You know, like when you walk in a room and you just, and you never met the person, but you just immediately get bad vibe. Yes. Yes. Here's the deal. Oh, yay. Okay. Good question. Um, again, for me, finding that term HSP and researching it was, was life-saving because I'm like, oh, that's what I'm doing. Cool. And then I could move on. Um, when, uh, when a highly sensitive person walks into a room, a crowded room, they, they unconsciously do what's called like emotional triage. Like who in this room is in the most potential for emotional spikes? That's, mm. what, we're, that's what we're scanning for. So what I've come to understand is that I pick up on what people are emotionally repressing. Mm. So if somebody gives me a bad vibe, what that tells me is not that that person is a bad person. It tells me I don't resonate with that person because they've got some really volatile stuff under the surface repressed and that's their thing and what whatever, whatever, but it doesn't jive with me because it's really a potential emotional spikes or potential emotional turmoil that, that I don't want to be around because my nervous system will latch onto and try to take care of that person. I don't want to be responsible for that level of volatility. It's hard, isn't it? When when you want to help people and you want to be empathetic, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you know, it's going to damage you and I don't know, maybe the person's yeah. toxic or maybe there could be a number of reasons, but sure. it's difficult to, to say no sometimes. And, and people, you know, tend to jump from this point of, okay, high sensitivity, that must mean you know things. But the truth is it's unconscious. I don't know why I'm uncomfortable. I'm just uncomfortable here. Like I just can't be here anymore. Or I don't know why I'm overwhelmed. It's just too much, quote unquote. This is too much for me. So, so it's a, it's also a skill set to learn to develop because you have to go in and learn about yourself. You have to go in and go, what does that mean for me? And how does that show up for me? And, and how do I start to become consciously aware of it? So it's a, it's an interesting deep dive. What's the best advice you've ever received? Um, my dad, 
he always told me the thing, you know, I would bring some concern. I'd be like, oh, I'm so worried about what if this happens or what? And he would always say, the fact that you're worried about it really means you don't have to worry about it. You've got your eye on it. So it would help me relax a little bit. He said, it's the things you don't know to worry about. That's, you know, that's where you have to be prepared. But his advice was, honey, if you're this worried about it, you don't have to worry. Hmm. I want to extrapolate on that a little bit. Is that because like a solution is going to come soon It means thereafter? you're working on it. It means you're working on it. It means you've okay. got your eyes on the ball, so you're going to notice when something shifts about that yeah. thing, right? So when it, the, the one example I can think of is like my child being a parent, you know, you're worried about all the things you can possibly imagine in life. I'm like, what if that happens? What if that happens? You know, whatever. And he said, no, because you'll see it coming because you're already watching for it. You've got your eye on it. So you don't have to worry about it. You'll catch it and you'll do what you're supposed to do because you're already working on it in the background. Brilliant. What's the biggest life lesson you've learned so far? That I am not alone. Internally, I'm not alone that changed me fundamentally to understand that my dreams are working outside of my ability to think about them created an intimate encounter, an intimate place where I can have a trusted experience with the divine. That's what you think it so is. That's what I think it is. Right. So I know no matter what happens to me or my loved ones or my living situation or anything, I know how to cultivate that dream space and how to look for what's the next thing that I need to unravel to, to help me here. How do I get help? My dreams will do that for me. Wow. Amazing stuff. I, I could probably ask you questions all week, but uh, I'm afraid I've, I've got to draw the line somewhere. Um, this has been an absolute pleasure. I, I really just want to say a massive thank you for appearing on the show. Uh, do you have any upcoming projects or some final thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners? My, my first thought that I didn't get in at the beginning is thank you for having me. This is such an honor to be able to sit and have these deep conversations with somebody who's deeply curious and an excellent like conversationalist like you are. So thank oh. you. It's been so fun for me. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, um, people can find me at my website, which is sweetgeorgiapan.com. I'm also on TikTok and Instagram. Um, I have a podcast called the Hidden Meaning of Dreams podcast, where you just get to listen into a dream and then unpacking of that dream and kind of exploring how the how the dreamy mind works. So, um, you know, hopefully your listeners have gotten a good taste of how I kind of jump around everywhere in all the areas. So um, you'll find more of that. Um, every you know in all the places where I try to put out good work into the world fantastic um yeah no it's, it's the, the honor is is mine I absolutely loved having you on the show you're more than welcome to come back on the show as well um, open invitation and I, I get a feeling that my audience is going to have a lot of questions and uh in which case maybe we could do a part two maybe maybe that's something we could do would you be willing to do that potentially i'm like happy dancing in my head at just the idea of it so yes and and i'm happy 
as well. If for whatever reason that doesn't line up, although it, it must now, um, I'm happy to watch for comments or if there are comments okay. that you have a question, people can just email me or DM me or whatever and I'll share my thoughts on it always. Fantastic. Well, uh, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for your time and I, I wish you all the best and I will be I'll be I'll be following uh, following your stuff because I'm I'm very intrigued in this stuff and um yeah just absolutely brilliant thank you so much and to the listeners of the Christian Reed podcast as always I hope you've enjoyed this episode remember to be safe be well and I'll see you in the next one <laughs>